0: Hey, Jub.
1: Hey, Gan.
0: <laughs> so, um, you see that Mortal Kombat 11 news about uh, the new DLC.
1: Yeah, uh, not, I don't think as much, I didn't look into it as much as you did, but I did hear a lot of people going like, hey, this is uh, a little bit bullshit. And I was like, oh boy. And I went and looked at it, I was All like, Alright, oh. so,
0: I mean... There are there are positives and negatives here, and I'm going to get into them. Yeah. So, um, be. do you, do you got it pulled up, or I can get it? Pulled I up. I do
1: have it pulled. I do have like the content breath pulled up here. All yeah, right.
0: So, I from what I am aware of, this this new Mortal Kombat DLC is called Mortal Kombat 11 Aftermath, and it has uh, story DLC content. It's the first time they've done this for one of their games. Usually, if there's just you know new characters, that's the the the. Uh, brunt of their DLC or whatever. Right. This is an actual storyline expansion. Uh, Now, whether you care about that or not, who knows? (laughs) Like, I don't know how much I care about the story of uh, Mortal Kombat.
1: A lot of people (laughs) like it, actually.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's probably, like, you know, appropriately cheesy. It is
1: very... I, I played through the whole story. It is incredibly cheesy.
0: But... The big thing here is that it has three new DLC characters. Uh, can you read them off for me?
1: Yes, we have Fujin.
0: Yeah, that's uh, Raiden's brother, who's the god of wind, right. I believe.
1: Yes. Yeah. Shiva,
0: who uh, is like the female Goro hasn't been in a game for a while.
1: Yeah, since so PS2 era, I think. And yeah, I believe yeah. Yeah, like like uh, I don't remember one starts with an A.
0: PS2. Ooh, turn your phone off, Whoops. you Jengis. I'm a Jengis. Whooped. Alright, and, and then the guest big one, yeah, is Robocop. Yeah. That's fucking hilarious. That's great.
1: Yeah, I love that.
0: <laughs> you can now do Robocop versus Terminator.
1: That's pretty dope.
0: Which is pretty hilarious. Now, forty dollars is the price tag on this. And that's the main reason I want to talk about this is this it's there's some really weird Pricing going on here. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, let's go through two different scenarios. Okay. Let's say you are me. Okay. And you have never played Mortal Kombat 11, but you wanted to get into it. You know, you're someone that's never played Mortal Kombat 11, and you want to buy it. Now's the best time to do so. Because Absolutely. for $60, you get Mortal Kombat 11. You get the combat pack, which was the initial six DLC characters. Uh, I'm trying to think who the fuck they were. Nightwolf, Shang Tsung, Sindel, and then the three guests, which was fucking Joker, Terminator, and Spawn. So you get all those characters. And you get this Aftermath pack, all for 60 bucks. It's almost like the 60 bucks for the initial game's price is now worth it. Because <laughs> they add more shit to it. That... Um, that is an
1: unfortunate reality with a lot of fighting games where they, yeah. they will cut. They and I, I don't like it. I don't condone it. But it's kind of where they've been for a while. Uh, this is very much popularized by Capcom. where Yes, but you will this scenario
0: just... really highlights it to me. Right.
1: It, this is yeah,
0: because me, a new customer, yeah. $60. Old customer had to buy the game for $60 had to buy the Combat Pack for $40, and now has to buy Aftermath for $40. Right. That's $140 for what a new customer is paying $60 for. And that price will continue to drop, Right. of course. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's the reality with a lot of games, not just fighting games, but fighting games in particular have this kind of big problem with this.
1: Oh, dude, you I feel like $40...
0: Ass. $40 for three characters in a story DLC that nobody knows the length of is pretty bad. It depends uh, on how <laughs> the story thing is.
1: Yeah, this is like a if big Even ass if thing. it's
0: as long as the first one, it's still probably not enough to justify $40. Right.
1: Yeah, uh, I have the, the full detail of everything you get. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's also some free updates that are happening. They're right. adding friendships now, to the game, which are hilarious finishers.
1: The $40 expansion comes with the campaign, the three playable yeah. characters, three character yeah. skin packs that are released over time, not coming out day one, and then mm-hmm. an exclusive Thanks a Million Johnny Cage character skin. That's it. Everybody gets the following. Uh, some new stages... Stage fatalities, and then they're bringing friendships back, which were funny.
0: Yeah, I was. I just said that, but yeah, like <sighs> that doesn't feel like enough for a forty dollar DLC.
1: Absolutely not. This is the plight DLC
0: of has been right in the line between being a ripoff for many a game for oh, yeah. years.
1: Especially but this
0: one. Is. When you put it all together, and you're looking at it, and if like you were someone who wanted to get into Mortal Kombat 11 now, this is fine. Uh, if you're someone that already has the game, it's like,
1: Kinda shitty. hey,
0: I just spent a hundred dollars on this game. Hey, would you like to spend forty fucking more, or else you don't get the three new fucking characters? Yeah, like, it's, it's shitty. man. That's pretty fucking shitty. And I I wish that this business model would go away.
1: This, uh, all this... The
0: discount should be more on the old player than the new. Right. They already got the old players' money.
1: Well, that's the thing, though. See, they're they know the reason why this business model works, and they keep doing it is because they mm-hmm. already know they have the old players. They'll charge that for the old players. The new ones, they need to set a price point that'll get them in. Oh, Oh yeah. dollars you get all this shit. Come on right come right on in, buddy, have a seat. But everybody else, they're dedicated enough to this game that they're gonna buy this pack anyway. So yeah, we'll charge them forty bucks for it.
0: It's kind of a shame.
1: This should be like twenty five or thirty, honestly. Street
0: Fighter five has been very similar to this. Yes. In its rollout. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm playing Tekken 7, and I'm really enjoying it, but I also bought it on sale for 20 bucks with the first two seasons of DLC. Yeah. And I know a lot of people didn't really get to do that, and a lot of people had to shell out 60 and then 25 for Season 1 and then 25 for Season 2 and then 25 a- for Season 3, and then who knows if there's a Season 4. You know, that's just like never-ending cash. Yeah, it's also Jeez. been a
1: long time though for Tekken on those two packs. It's been what four years?
0: Yeah, just it has since, since
1: the second pack ended.
0: Right, about the same amount of money is required of a Mortal Kombat 11 player in just the first year of its life. Right, which is kind of crazy. Now, fighting games are slightly finite when it comes to this kind of shit, so they're you know I I don't necessarily even blame them for trying to get as much DLC out. As they can before their game is not relevant anymore, and they release, you know, Injustice three or Mortal Kombat twelve or whatever their next game is. Probably Injustice three, if I had to guess. Yeah, they've, they've been but, going on
1: like a three-year development cycle now. You get one more yeah, year of support. Out of this
0: like MK eleven is already not at Evo. Right. Granted, Evo is not at Evo. This year, but (laughs) um... yeah.
1: Well, apparently, the reasoning why MK11 is not at Evo is because uh, Warner Brothers wanted to do their own thing. Yeah, and then like not have like other events attached to it, so they declined Uh, like to even like uh, apply to be at Evo at all.
0: Weird, weird. Okay, well, hey, you made a spot for like Samurai Showdown, Granblue. It's cool. Whatever, do whatever you want to do. I guess
1: all these games that are have to be played online now, and on every <laughs> single one of these games, the online is shit ass.
0: Oh my god! Well, not to make this intro even longer, but Justin, I am so excited for Evo, dude.
1: It's gonna be. A I'm maybe show. more
0: excited for this Evo than I've ever been excited for an Evo before. I'm not because, because... I'm supposed to go. Oh so yeah, I know. I, I am, understand. I am that. like
1: fucking crushed, brother. I mean I, I wouldn't have I probably wouldn't have gone anyway, even if uh, even if it was gonna be open, just because like I, I live with somebody who's immunocompromised. I can't risk getting the coronavirus, and it's not gonna be gone by the time July comes around.
0: No. Well that's why they're canceling it and right. doing it online. But the side effect of them doing it online is you have all these companies who for years have declined to have good internet for their games are now all of a sudden going to be faced with the reality that their internet is shit on a live stage We also in just front of like, tons of people. It's going to be incredible.
1: Yeah. We also <laughs> just aren't going to get more vs. Versus Capcom 2 at all, which is depressing.
0: I guess not, because there's no real way to play it online no. that is like, available to buy right, anymore. Yeah, you
1: have the 360 PS3 versions, but you can't get that shit anymore. So there's, like, no yeah. reliable way to get those people to play against each other online.
0: Unless then, they were to, re, like, release Marvel vs. Capcom 2 right now on something. Like, I don't really know what they would do. They,
1: uh, fucking Capcom's not doing that shit. They would no, also have to, not. you know, be in a deal with Marvel for a game again. I don't know if that's going to happen after Infinite bombed. Like, mm-hmm. if, if you notice, like, mm-hmm. when, when 3 got ported to the PS4 and PC, like it did... um that's when infinite was about to come out. So they were already like, that was just kind of part of their deal.
0: Yeah. They like hurried up and did it. I mean, there's a lot of like declines. Like I've noticed uh, Marvel licenses that have expired. Like I own ultimate Alliance one and two and like those You can't buy them anymore on PS4. They're gone mysteriously. And uh, that's weird. It's a little weird. I hate when games get delisted and now I own them, but it's like owning a ghost. (laughs) Like I own, like I own the game, but like the game doesn't exist. So like, you know, uh, I don't know. (laughs) I hate, I hate the digital gaming, uh, you know, modern day a little bit because everything seems finite and you don't actually own anything. Sometimes it's it's kind of a scary feeling. Sometimes, if yeah. a publisher should just you know decide that they can't sell that game anymore, so you better have it downloaded. Your PlayStation better never break, or else you lose it forever. Yike! Hate it.
1: That's a big yike.
0: Anyway, speaking of big yikes, let's 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 continue our podcast. I guess. <laughs>
1: Let's yike our way over. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Ken and Job Show. That's Ken.
0: Hey, hello. I am Gemhart. I'm Jump! Job- I think. That's him, I think.
1: I think. Welcome to the show, I think.
0: <sighs> I believe.
1: <laughs> Today, I think, we're going to talk about a couple of video games. couple. And, and Friday the 13th. Old and
0: new. That's yep. definitely old. Yeah. Uh, Friday, <laughs> Friday the
1: 13th. 13th part two
0: Electric Boogaloo.
1: Oh. <laughs> I did not, there was not a lot of electric boogalooing going on.
0: Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> There's definitely a lot of electric moogaloo. There is another
1: <laughs> big cabin yuck.
0: There was definitely a couple yucks in this movie. Um You know, overall I think I liked it more than it, the first one, which is kind of surprising considering absolutely. I don't know how like common of an opinion that is, but uh I, I don't know. We'll get to it later. Yeah. What do you want to talk about as far as uh, other stupid shit goes?
1: I, uh, I guess I'll talk about Vidya first. Vidya. I played the Valorant Beta. This is... Yes,
0: uh, the fucking League People's uh, Riot yeah. Games. This is new game.
1: This is the new game from Riot Games. They have now branched out into other games. They released a card yeah. game that I that I will not play because I don't really like online card games that much. And they released this Valorant, which is almost mm. to the T CS:GO,
0: but with yeah, that it's kind of like a uh, like a hero shooter element yeah, to it. Yeah, they added
1: the hero shooter elements to it. They, you have characters with their own set abilities that you could pick. Choose
0: your. Not Overwatch character and play, not CSGO.
1: But then it shares, like, everything else with CSGO, where you have, like, a small number of maps, you have uh, a very slow-paced gameplay focused on, like, twitch shooting and positioning, and then you have, like, money you get throughout rounds, you use those to buy guns. If you die, you lose your gun. If you survive, you keep your gun. And the game mode that they have right now, I don't know if they're going to add any in the future, is, like, uh, a bomb planting mode. Right, oh, well, you know, attack, yeah, this is CSGO. This right. is
0: CSGO. This is on C- this is in <laughs> CSGO as
1: well. You know, you, you so know. is this
0: Valve's current new business model? They just take a game, make it, but it's, they made it. See, Riot, I'm sorry, They say Valve? Yeah,
1: you said Valve. Yeah, said Valve is <laughs> CSGO. Yeah, <laughs> so Valve's the original. Yeah. OG.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, is this Riot's business model? They just take, you know. It's like, you know, we have League, and League will be there forever, but, you know, let's try and get other people's attention with just the same shit. But a little better, maybe?
1: Yeah, the only reason, I think the main reason why Valorant, in my opinion, is a little better than CSGO at this point is because it's a newer video game. And that's, like, about it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like, if CSGO just came out last week, maybe that wouldn't be the case. Right. Right. CSGO has been around for so many years and has yeah, been such a big deal for so many years. That, right, it's now know, an old. I, I kind of understand.
1: Yeah, it's now an old <sighs> video game and needs a bit of an update. Valorant handles that quite well, where it, it like is basically just like CS:GO with extra whistles.
0: Yeah, and then on the hero shooter front, you have like not not as many people are playing Overwatch anymore. Everybody's kind of drifted off because you know.
1: Well, because they the updates that game has gotten are not good. <laughs> and uh, and even like even so much so that like players are dipping out of the Overwatch competitive scene. A lot of them are get 4 Valorant, which just already has like a yeah. giant ass competitive base. And it's probably going to be, be, be interesting to see. Consort. With the way cuz Riot Games has a ton of experience managing esports with all of the yes. years as they've done LCS and all of the other like you know, league, like worldwide League of Legends leagues. Where yeah, they. I know, right? uh, yeah, well, they where People they
0: care uh, about e, e- League esports, but maybe even more than they care about League sometimes.
1: Yeah, I mean, there is there is a point in time where I stopped playing League of Legends, but I'm still watching LCS. Yeah, because it's like I, I find League to be more fun on the spectator level than on an actual playing it level. And now I can't stand it either way. I just <sighs> I can't stand League of Legends anymore. I can't take it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think that you know they're smart to branch out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now the, the, the everything involving Valorant, the way they've done, they've like moved this game out, the way they promoted it, the way they let people get their hands on the beta, has been incredibly smart, like genius marketing tools. And it's a big that that's a big part of the reason why it's so popular right now. You're hitting on a, you're capitalizing on a good time to do something like this, where you have kind of like. Uh, getting a uh, sort of getting more stale CS:GO competitive scene, right? Yeah, um, the shooters in general, as far as like competitive, like in the competitive scene goes, aren't as popular right now. So tap into that market with a familiar formula with a twist, and with a a lot more charming art style than CS:GO, which is of course like very realistic looking. I, I like Valorant's art style; I find it charming. And you have a recipe for success. You set it up on Twitch, enable drops, so you have to have, you have to watch streamers play Valorant in order to get into it yourself. So you get to see what the game's all about before, like, you even, like, get a chance to play it.
0: Huh, that's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, I had to watch, like, I mean, most of it I put on in the background while I was doing other stuff, but I had to watch, like, three, hour- three hours worth of, like, Valorant streams. And then I got my key to, you know, download the game. But it's been really fun. Uh, it, it carries a lot of stuff from CS:GO and like even classic Counter-Strike. I, I didn't play CS:GO as much. I was a uh, very big on classic Counter-Strike way back in the day. Uh, I my got brother, you. Me and my brother used to play it a lot. So I, I have the like I have the fundamentals for Counter-Strike down. So I meshed in pretty well in Valorant. That's the only, cool. Yeah, the only thing that's kind of getting me is is the hero ability stuff. A lot of the times I forget about it because I feel like I'm playing Counter-Strike. And I'm like, oh wait, I have, a, I have hero <sighs> abilities. I should use these.
0: Uh, I do that in uh, Resident Evil Resistance, which I haven't played in a while because it's bad. But um, like, you should, uh, I always forget that each should... character has a special ability.
1: We should ditch that game and uh, play Predator Hunting Grounds, buddy.
0: Or just Friday the 13th again, since we're fucking talking about it anyway. I, am... I want to.
1: I am absolutely down. Maybe we could get, since that was a PS Plus game, maybe we get some of our friends and then we could get like a big session going. That'd be
0: fun. Oh, yeah, dude. I would love to have a big session and kill all my friends. I right. mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I would love to have a game where we actually all play as a group. That would be cool. Yeah. Hopefully we can do that.
1: But yeah, I don't, um, I don't really have much else try to say uh... about
0: Valorant. Um, I'm going to wrap this up real
1: quick. There's not much okay. else I have to say about Valorant. It, it is basically Counter-Strike. If You like Counter-Strike. You like Valorant. That's it.
0: That's good. You know, hey, uh, I'm looking forward to... So I was under the impression before this game came out that it was going to be a hero shooter with League characters. Mm, No. But instead, the characters are original, correct? Right. Now, I'm sure that down the line to cross-promote, there might be, you know, some shenanigans. Maybe some Valorant players go to League. Maybe some league characters go to Valorant. It
1: might have to be the. Uh, I wouldn't
0: be surprised.
1: It would probably have to be a former, unless, like, uh, I guess you could technically put, like, Caitlyn in Valorant, if you Dude, want. Dude, I like don't know character league
0: characters. A, Just don't like, even.
1: Like a character with a gun. <laughs> in Valorant, you're buying guns.
0: Yeah, it has to be a shooter character, obviously. But I don't know how many of those there are. In. There's only a couple. Like, maybe, like, uh, who's the fucking Harley Quinn ass looking ass? fucking... Yeah, like your main she ones. She got are, like guns.
1: Right, your main ones would be like Jinx and Caitlyn, would be the one yeah, okay. the with guns. Yeah,
0: okay. I'm just saying it's possible if they want to cross promote. But so I was under the impression it was going to be like that, and now it's not. Uh, so this fighting game they're making, yes, is that going to be League characters? Yes. Okay, that'll probably adapt better to fighting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. it's hard to adapt like those characters to a shooter that's kind of yeah i can see that i can see that you tell that they wanted this concept before they even designed the characters
0: unless you go like an overwatch route where like everybody has a different gun or thing on their hud it, it would probably be difficult to do that if you have like the same economy so can't really do that but it good
1: yeah I think it's I think it's good like I said if you if you like Counter-Strike you'll most likely like Valorant uh, okay but it, but it is for somebody who like doesn't play those kind of games at all it is a steep learning curve those games are difficult I bet you die super fast the game is super slow there's a lot of positioning stuff you need to learn it's important to be on communications with teammates like you should probably have a mic so you can make call outs and stuff <laughs> yeah, but well, all right. You tap into that; it's a good time.
0: Well, I'm glad it's good. Um, Riot Games is kind of a scumbag corporation, but I'm glad there's another option instead of CS:GO because uh, that's also kind of ran bad. <laughs> I don't fucking knife economy. Ooh. <laughs> fucking tricking 12 year olds on youtube to buy knives sick dude (laughs) heck yeah but anyway uh while you were playing modern new games that just came out i played (laughs) la noir uh i beat this before control which is a newer game, but I guess I'll talk about it this week because I think I oddly enough have more to say about L.A. Noir than Control because Control at the end of the day is like, you know, it's an 8 out of 10 and the reason it's an 8 out of 10 is really easy to understand. L.A. Noir is a lot to talk about <laughs> because of the nature of what it is. So, I played the remaster, which I think was released just like a couple years ago for PS4 and X Bone and PC and Nintendo Switch, actually, with some like additional functionality uh, with the Joy Cons. And around the same time, they released the VR case files, which I have not played yet, but it's just uh, remixed cases from LA Noir uh, utilized for VR. And uh, maybe when quarantine ends me and Justin can go through that. Absolutely. With Justin's PSVR. Because it looks like a lot of fun. I want to do that so bad. Now, I'm personally a huge fan of this game, but I am not blind to its faults, of which there are uncountable. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you don't know what L.A. Noir is, it's a GTA crossed with, like, a Phoenix Wright or, like, a point-and-click style gameplay. Uh Uh-huh. Where you're a cap in 1940s L.A. in a noir-tinged story, as you would assume. Uh, And you could do GTA things, like shoot people and run over people and drive around an open world. But it's mainly focused on distinct cases that you have to solve and find clues... And interview people, and answer the questions correctly. Well, not really answer, but like determine how to approach the situation correctly uh-huh. as a cop. And the better you do, the better your score. The better you do at the game. Uh, most significant, like one of the things that people remember the most about this game is it had this, uh, at the time, revolutionary tech for facial capture uh the mocap on the faces that they got the acting is like really fucking good and still pretty damn good
1: yeah uh, it actually comes um, up
0: decently and they utilized it so that like you could see like facial ticks and uh tells so you could tell when people are lying to your character and that you can like have an aha moment uh and also the acting really shines through uh, for good or bad <laughs> on these uh, face models. And it probably resulted in way too much work because, I mean, it's not like I took an actual count, but God, there's probably like 300 fully voiced and mo-capped actors in this game.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. It's
0: way too many. Like there, Like every single case has unique characters in it. Like, five or six of them. And there's several, like, little street crimes with unique little guys. There's so many characters in this game that it's, like... It, it borders on nonsensical how many they made. <laughs> yeah. But anyway... Uh, may, the production of this game is maybe a more interesting story than the game itself. It was Team Bondi who made uh, The Getaway forever ago, yeah. and then they started to make this with uh, under the leadership of the head writer and director, Brendan McNamara, I believe, and he's an asshole yep. <laughs> who mistreats his workers. Uh, turns out he's a pretty decent writer, though, if he wrote all of the stuff in L.A. Noir, because there is a lot of interesting shit in the game, and a lot of moments I like. But the, the, the L.A. Noire was in production for seven fucking years. It was supposed to be a PS3 like, game exclusively. And then somewhere in the development, that kind of changed into a 360 and PS3 game, which was probably a bad move for them. Because if you remember, when the game first came out, PS3, one Blu-ray disc. Xbox 360, three fucking discs. Which was quite annoying. I was really confused the first time I played this game, and it was three discs. <laughs> I'd never experienced that before. Like, even like GTA 4 is one disc, and that game's humongous, you know, is what I thought at the time. So, why'd it take seven years? Well, the, the game was always having tons of crunch to make an accurate 1947 Los Angeles, but lots of employees quit uh, because the crunch was too great and too frustrating to deal with. And then they had to rehire people. And those people had to relearn how the fuck to do anything and then get to work. So there was always constant people leaving and then people coming in and the game just took forever to make as a result. And then by the time it comes out, it's pretty obvious that they cut corners in the open world, they gave all their focus to the story cases and absolutely none to anything happening in the world. It kind of leads yeah. to the world feeling super empty and boring to it interact with. The best way to scrap it, which
1: scrap it. it has nothing. And yeah, like uh, really, really disappointing.
0: Uh, A comparison I saw that I like a lot is it feels more like an interactive museum of 1947 Los Angeles than it does a living, breathing world. And that is super disappointing. Uh, Frequently you'll hear characters walking around, say the same three lines. Frequently you'll see the same NPCs walking around, sometimes right next to each other, three of the same guy. It's obvious where they cut corners and where they focused as The game kept stretching and stretching and stretching its release date. But, as far as that story goes, and as far as the key gameplay goes of solving cases, I like that part of the game a lot. I think it's really good. But everything else is kind of bullshit. (laughs) And just filling in the gaps. Like, oh, well, it's an open world game, so there have to be collectibles, but that's all I really thought about. Oh well it's an open world game so I have like little crimes that you can interact with, but they're all super simplistic and short and don't really give the player anything they're just things to do that are like not long enough to justify their inclusion really and they don't help the world feel real like it doesn't really feel like there's crimes constantly happening that you can intervene with or anything like that it leaves a lot to be desired and it's super disappointing um Another thing I would talk about briefly. The story structure is fucking weird. It is super fucking weird and makes no sense. Oh, yeah. Um, So in the original release, you got four tutorial cases on the patrol desk, then three traffic cases, six homicide cases, which is its own little self-contained arc where you're trying to get the Black Dahlia killer. Then three vice killer cases and two arson cases before transitioning to playing as a different fucking character, Jack Kelso, as opposed to Cole Phelps, for the final trio of missions, which are all pretty much action based, not really investigation based. And the main story of Eleanor only really plays out in vice and arson, and vice still has a fucking filler case. So this actual story of the game takes forever to get going, and everything just feels kind of like, "Here's your case, Phelps. It stands alone. Here's another case. Phelps it has nothing to do with the previous one, and that's fine, but then it all of a sudden has a plot. You're like, "What?" <laughs> it's super weird." And the DLC adds cases, and the current remastered version of the game makes these cases. Like, you have to play them to get to the end. So now Traffic is five cases long. Now Vice is five cases long. And now Arson has an extra case that happens right in the middle of the ramping up of the story and has nothing to do with the story. And these were originally presented as DLC, so you could do them whenever you wanted because you'd probably already beaten the game. But now they're presented chronologically where they happened to Cole Phelps and you have to do them and it's really jarring to go from like the story ramping up to a case that has nothing to do with it and then back again. The weirdest story structure I've ever seen in a game to be quite honest. It, it, it's like clearly <laughs> this is a game that was kind of rushed. Of course, uh, to a degree. Now, it doesn't mean that, like, the cases are bad. Like, that case that interrupts the main story towards the end, that DLC arson case, that case is fucking great. There's a lot of good cases in the game with a lot of interesting things in it, but it's just... It kills any kind of forward momentum the story could possibly have. And then it's even weirder because there's these flashbacks that happen constantly and these newspapers that you can look at that tell you, like, the real story of the fucking game that pays off later. Uh But when you're first starting the game, none of this shit matters, so you're wondering why it's there. And then once it does pay off, you're like, okay, but if that's the case, then the plot should have been teased a little earlier. Like, for real, though, not just in these isolated cutscenes where I have no idea what's happening. Who's this doctor guy? Why am I seeing Japan flashbacks? Will it matter eventually? And then they wait way too long to pay it off, too. It's super weird. (laughs) Um, A lot of it's written well, and a lot of it is just just by nature of the way information is presented to you, done poorly. (laughs) Like, the Japan flashbacks are supposed to explain why Phelps feels guilty and is searching for some kind of atonement even before the end of the game where he cheats on his wife and stuff. Sorry, spoilers for LA norm, 2011, oh, no. but, uh, but uh, like it would have been better executed if like maybe that story wrapped up with a playable segment in Japan to like really hammer home to you what happened to Cole and you fully understand his guilt and his sacrifice at the end of the game would kind of feel less out of nowhere. Now I, I dig the downer ending because it's a noir after all but but for a video game i could see how it may be frustrating for some I, like i don't know it just if if you want a good version of how it's handled just play red dead redemption i guess because <laughs> honestly that just handles a similar scenario far better in my opinion uh, and it gives the player agency to uh carry out revenge as opposed to not which fits the genre of western better than noir admittedly yep. but still now, um, I loved a lot of the performances, despite the memes. Uh I loved Phelps, Kelso, and Biggs, which there was more of him though. Uh, Roy Earl is a great villain. Uh the coroner's cool. I think that like the main love interest needed more development, as did your other partners besides Roy Earl. Um, maybe like the the Chiefs. I think, cause they seem more like caricatures, the fucking Irish one. Oh my God. Uh, and, and and then like the doctor is super fucking overacted and bad in my opinion <laughs> he sucks ass why courtney i i know what to do with that morphine i will sell it on the street to punks courtney you don't worry about that and it's like <laughs> it's just a school play <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, the acting can be top notch in one scene and then iffy as fuck in the next, which I guess is what happens when you cast 300 people in your fucking game. Not all of them are going to be equally good. <laughs>
1: right.
0: Now, extra annoyance. Getting the platinum. <sighs>
1: yeah, you know, so... this is
0: maybe a problem only for me. Right. So, as but hey. I know,
1: like, you have to get like all
0: the cars and shit, right? That is the platinum's fun, except for that. That is the one thing I would point to to say no.
1: That's the one thing I looked at. No,
0: and I was like, I was like, I don't even know, I'm just sure I want to replay this game.
1: And then, like, I saw that trophy, and I was like, and if I did, I want to get the Platinum. I'm not touching that shit.
0: <laughs> well, thankfully, we could just play the VR one, which doesn't have this fucking nonsense in it. Um, getting the the collectibles is fine, but this is atrocious. This is just bad game design. Let me get into specifics, because... Does the
1: VR case files have a plan?
0: Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, we're doing And it's that. only a couple hours long, because you only got, like, 9k from the game. Oh, yeah. And really- a lot of them are the DLC cases. Like, they thought about what people might have played already, and decided to not go that route.
1: It's mostly it is, stuff uh,
0: that would probably be fresh for you if you never played the DLC. But
1: I didn't play... I think I played the first little bit of it, and I didn't play any other. So...
0: <laughs> yeah, it goes through the whole story, too, as far as I know, um, which is kind of cool and uh, in VR. But anyway, let me talk about the bane of my existence. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's 95 cars in L.A. Noir, and you have to drive yep. them all. Uh, the game has the option to have your partner drive to locations which is the most common way to travel in the game, seeing us out of the open world doesn't have much to see or do. So, yeah, they're in the cases. You're going to have your partner travel everywhere, right? Uh-huh. If your partner drives a car, you don't unlock that car. So, you're the driver. basically, to get a head start, every time you need to go somewhere, run, find a different car, get in it. As an officer of the law, you can tell people to get the fuck out of their cars and take their car, uh, which is nice. You get in a car, you get out of the car, then you have your partner drive to the the, the location you want to go. So, like, it's just kind of stupid. And by the end of the game, uh, you're probably still only going to be halfway there at best. If you did this diligently throughout the entire experience, like I did. Um, I got kind of lucky this time around, because I also did this way back on the 360. Uh, There's several vehicles that are incredibly tricky and rare to find. Uh, Internet guides suggest several different locations that almost never 100% work.
1: (laughs) it, It seems like it's random, right?
0: I had several times where I looked up a guide to find a car. It wasn't there. I looked up a different guide to find a car. It was there. But, like... What really determines that is luck, pretty much. (laughs) Um, In addition, you can sort of trick the game. And this is something that doesn't 100% work all the time. But in the menus, you can go to the extras menu, and you can go to car showroom, and it shows you all the cars in the game. And then ones you don't have yet are a silhouette, and it says locked. You leave it on that, you get out, you go into the free room. The car might be right across from the police station. Might. (laughs) So, it's not a guarantee. And this leads to just a few hours of pure frustration. I did get lucky this time. I found a few rare cars, like the Buick Ambulance. Fuck the Buick Ambulance. Uh, By chance, just during my story playthrough... Like, when I saw the Buick Ambulance, I stopped everything I was doing and chased that motherfucker down like he was a criminal and got into that motherfucker. (laughs) Because, like, I knew from a previous time playing this game that I needed to get that fucking thing. Because I was never going to find it otherwise. There's no excuse for any collectible in any game being this fucking terrible to get. (laughs) None. Uh, That is, like, one of the worst things ever <laughs> to make a player do just wander around aimlessly trying to get in all the cars. Not to mention that like I'm already not a guy, but 1940s cars. God, they all look the same to me. <laughs> yeah, it's tell. tough.
1: Dude, it's so tough.
0: I can't tell anything apart from each other, let alone the fact that like there's eight variations of a Buick in that game and yep. they all look the same. But they're all different, <laughs> so you gotta find the one specific one you need. Good luck, boy. They put a lot of attention to detail in those cars, though. They're gorgeous looking. I, I think they uh, went to Jay Leno's garage. Jay Leno owns, uh, you know, an obscene, insane, obscene amount of cars. So he let them look at his 1940s collection, and they based a lot of the designs off of his cars, which is cool. It's cool that they put all these classic cars in the game, and a lot of them are cool to look at, but they utilized that in about the poorest way possible. There should have at least been fixed spawn locations and parking lots for every single vehicle. At least. Fuck you, game. <laughs> <laughs> and they could have fixed that because Rockstar added things like costumes to this game on its re-release things that weren't in the game previously. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Did they make any of the really frustrating stuff better? No. <laughs> so it's it's still a mixed bag. I can't really recommend Platting it unless you're an insane person like me. I think it's a solid enough game for a cheap enough price. This isn't something I would recommend even spending 40 on. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're like a huge fan. I waited till it was way cheaper. Yeah, that makes And that's sense. about all I got to say about that. I don't know.
1: Hell yeah, dude. Glad you still <laughs> like it.
0: I I feel like it's a crime that we don't get a sequel that's better. A sequel to that game could be really cool. Maybe like eighties early eighties LA. Give us something like a Chinatown or something like a taxi driver kind of tone. Maybe make the character like a PI instead of a, instead of like a straight laced has to follow the rules cop. That yeah. way, a lot of the stuff would like maybe work a little better as far as a free roam goes. Like you would actually be stealing cars at that point. Right. Uh, you could have a wanted level system. You could step outside the realms of the law a little bit. That would be interesting. I feel like that could be really good. But who knows? Rockstar probably just making GTA Online for the next five years.
1: Oh, yeah, probably.
0: Yeah. Anyway, fuck all that. Let's talk about uh, movie.
1: Movie time. Movie time. Movie time. (laughs) Movie? Movie.
0: Yeah. Friday, the 13th, part two. Give me a second. I'm going to take a drink. Drink up. You can cut this out. Or not. Drink I don't up. really know Drink what up, your decision-making Ganhardt. process is. Drink up, Ganhart.
1: I'm gonna join you. Drink up, Ganhart. Drink up, Ganhart. Drink up, Ganheart. Drink up, Ganheart. Mm, hydration, <laughs> baby.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, you know. I saw that you, uh... You're all about that hydration on John's stream now.
1: Yeah, yeah, on my uh, my brother's stream that I participate in often. Twitch.tv slash Shepherd. We uh we added a hydrate button so somebody can spend 100 Twitch loyalty points to make us drink water, and it has been quite popular on the stream. I drank a lot of That's water funny. last night. I mean, I drink a lot of water to begin with because I'm I'm that I'm that friend that like texts mm-hmm. you and goes like, hey buddy, are you drinking enough water? And then it'll be like, yeah, I'm drinking <laughs> enough water. I was like, okay, drink a little more, okay? I'm that guy. So.
0: Oh, you're that guy, huh? I'm that
1: guy. I t- I'm always telling you. See me in the group chat all the time, going like, "Hey, go like, hey guys, drink water. It's good." I know. <laughs> so like oh, I, this man. hydrate thing making
0: streamers up. have to piss. Good job.
1: Yeah, there was a there's a clip of me out there where I said piss like an asshole, and it's pretty good.
0: Good. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth Two, Electric Boogaloo was a film that came out in uh, May of 1981. After the success of the first one, uh, Paramount fast-tracked a sequel as quick as they could. You may uh, realize that the first one came out in 1980, and this one came out in 1981, and the third one came out in 1982. This is how we're going. (laughs) The majority of these films came out in one decade, and you'll see why. They pumped them out. (sighs) Producer Frank Mancuso said about making a sequel quickly, quote, we wanted it to be an event where teachers would flock to the theaters on that Friday night to see the latest episode. And uh, that plan basically worked for the first couple installments. Uh, so much like Halloween, Friday the 13th was not supposed to be a series about one killer. It was supposed to be an anthology series. Halloween made the mistake of actually doing that and then alienating audiences. Friday the 13th never made that mistake because, you know, some producers requested the film to be centered around the cliffhanger of the first film and Jason Voorhees from the get-go. Right. So Steve Miner, the associate producer, assistant director, and unit production manager of the first film, thought this was a great idea. And he signed on. To do something for the second one <laughs> director sean cunningham uh did not think this was a good idea and in fact seems to regret making friday the 13th at all uh he did an interview with uh fuck i don't have the guy's name listed but basically this guy made a uh book about violence in film and on tv and uh Mr. Sean Cunningham, in his interview, kind of suggested that he felt bad for making Friday the 13th and kind of felt that, at the time, the only way to get teenage audiences' attention was to kill a bunch of people with a bunch of guts and gore. He seems to have regretted making one of the most successful popular slasher films of all time. It's weird ironic i guess but, um that's weird what are you going to do um so he was not interested at least this was his opinion his opinion at the time we'll see if it changes because i know that we still have to get to the rights battle between him and the original writer but uh cunningham declines to return so steve miner gets to be the director now from assistant to main director and he would also direct Friday the 13th part 3 uh, his later career is full of uh, significant horror films. Uh, one that I like a lot, House, which is a fucking stupid-ass movie that is great. Uh, <laughs> he did Halloween H20, which we watched, like, fucking forever ago. Yeah,
1: we'll say, like, right out the gate with this movie. <sighs> the direction's uh, better.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Right uh, out also the gate. Did, he also did Lake Placid, which uh, is not great. <laughs> but it is a movie, <laughs> and uh, and then he transitioned to television. So he seems to have like maybe is maybe a bit more talented. I think actually, yeah, than our previous director, and you can tell right from this opening scene. Yep, uh, the film was written by a different person. This is Ron Kurz, uh, seemingly as his first writing job and maybe only significant writing job. Uh, I don't know how this even happens. How do you get the job to make the sequel to Friday the 13th without having any previous credits? I don't I like know, this man. It was cheap probably. <laughs> so Kurz was 40 at the time and it's now 80. Uh and honestly I think some of the dialogue feels like an old dude trying to write young characters Sometimes without really cheap. knowing how they talk. So that kind of makes sense. <laughs> It does feel like it was written by a 40-year-old, I guess. Which, what are you going to (laughs) do? Some people can write it. Some people can't. Uh, So our only returning living characters are Alice and Crazy Ralph. Uh, Spoiler, both of whom were killed in this movie. Whoa! Now, Adrienne King, who played Alice, requested a smaller role, as she was currently trying to reduce her public presence uh, during her issues with her crazed stalker. So yeah, Uh, Betsy Palmer also returns uh, mostly in archival footage. Like they literally show the end of the first movie throughout the majority of the beginning of this movie. And uh, also she appears as a cameo at the end of the film, which we'll get to later. Uh, Filming for this one took place in Connecticut this time, as opposed to New Jersey. Maybe it was cheaper. Who knows? Uh, I did did find it weird that they didn't return to the same camp. But it makes sense, given the... Like, why would the characters (laughs) return to that camp? Right. But I I kind of had assumed that they would keep going back to it. But who knows? Not yet. Uh, Now, Tom Savini was set to return to do special effects work. But he declined because he was already working on a new project. So then... Stan Winston was set to replace him and Stan Winston is like arguably someone who has even more of a special effects pedigree than Tom Savini. He did the fucking Jurassic Park, dinosaurs, he did the Terminator special effects, Alien, Predator. He's the he's the shit. Right. Uh but then he but then he dropped out. So we didn't get we didn't get really anyone super significant doing effects on this movie, which is a shame. Yeah, and you could tell but, that. Uh, you could tell with that too. Yeah, a lot of a lot of cutaways
1: uh, from kills. Um, nothing like that outwardly gory in this film, at least compared well, to the first um, one.
0: A lot of that was because the film originally got an X rating, and they had to cut out uh, I think like forty seconds. Of blood and gore footage, oh. of which I'm pretty sure has never been readded to in any like DVD release or anything. Oh, uh, in particular, that scene with the two kids yucking in the bed, and then Jason stabs them with a spear. That was super fucking gory, and they kind of just cut away from it. Yeah, as soon as it. the stab happens, very quickly. That's... I don't think I'm necessarily opposed to that. I think you don't need gore to be effective and fun with your killings in your movie anyway. But I don't know. It's weird that that footage has never been re-released though. Right. It would have been cool to see some of the effects that somebody worked on at some point in time that are just lost to history. Uh, But speaking of the effects, the makeup was done by a guy named Carl Fullerton. So he designed Jason's face here. He based it on what Jason looked like at the end of part one. But then for some reason, after they establish what Jason looks like without a mask at the end of this movie, they (laughs) abandon that look in part three. Yep. Leading to that scene being like having to have a lot of fans self canon input it into it as to why Jason looks different. I know that, I don't know. In my opinion, the fans care a little too much about canon. I know the filmmakers didn't care that much. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) So anyway, um, I think most of this other stuff I can just get to as we go through the film.
1: Okay, cool. So
0: if if you want to start going through what happens in this dumbass movie, I'd be cool with that.
1: Alright, you get Paramount logo, black screen. It's a Steve Miner film. Thanks, buddy.
0: You mm-hmm, little
1: kids it. singing It's a Bitsy Spider. And then you got... what? Well, this gave me
0: It vibes. Yeah. It?
1: Very much so. The kid Very
0: playing much. near the sewer, and then Tim Curry's like,
1: Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Wanna play in the sewer? Wanna
0: do some coke with me in the sewer? I, <laughs> I don't think that's what
1: happened. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that movie's you not know. so fun. <laughs> it's kind of fun. <laughs> no, it is fun. It just depends.
1: So you get a little kid walk around playing, playing in the water, and then you get your girl yelling, Get inside, you dumb fuck!
0: Okay, Mom. I like the transition to this little kid's shoes, and then, to what I assume is Jason's shoes.
1: It very much looks like it. And then he you know, you even plays the signature music. The yeah,
0: which... Harry Manfredini returns to and deliver uh another a, a great score again, yeah, it's effective. That it's works. basically the same shit as the first one, but uh, no complaints from me
1: absolutely then we got then it cuts to our uh our main girl from the previous movie mhm Alice. Alice yep who is uh writhing around having a nightmare on in in their bed. It turns out the nightmare she's having is just a repeat of the ending of the first movie. They sure show
0: a lot of the first movie that we already saw, which, you know, you're going to have to put yourself in the perspective of someone like of making this movie in 81 and watching this movie in 81 because they probably felt it was necessary to do back then. Now we wouldn't care. Yeah, now know. I don't care like we... for something like this. I
1: think it's actually just a oh, waste yeah. of time.
0: It is now. I'm saying in 81, like, God, like, did everybody have VCRs yet even? Like, like <laughs> it had been literally a year since anyone had seen Friday the 13th. Right. Or people who hadn't even seen it to begin with, because what are you going to do? There's no way to see it. Right. So I kind of understand why they included it in that perspective. Right. They're going to keep doing this too from what I understand. <laughs> yes.
1: So, yeah, that's about 5 minutes of flashbacks you just replaying the yeah. the events of the end of Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. And then and then Alice wakes up. Go he goes bathroom, cleans herself off, gets a phone call, there's nobody there. Woo. Gets she gets in the shower and you get that that like classic, I like this I like actually like this little bit of subversion here. You get, like, a classic. Oh, Friday yeah, that was a good moment. style, like, first-person walk-up.
0: And it's just her so. Yeah, but, curtain. like, it's to the shower, so you're expecting, like, the psycho scene to happen.
1: Right. And then it doesn't. And
0: then she, she opens the curtain and looks straight at the camera.
1: Yeah.
0: And doesn't react, and then just, like, walks out after getting dressed. Okay. <laughs> it's a weird little subversion. I like how this scene plays with you, because, obviously, the whole point of this scene is that she's going to die at the end of it. But they right. make it seem like she's not going to and that everything is fine several times.
1: <laughs> right. So she's uh, she's going around, she's, she's in her kitchen, trying to make some tea. She hears something, she gets scared, grabs like, a little screwdriver. Mm-hmm. And then, was it, her cat comes in? It's
0: a cat. Okay. So like it's... it's not her cat. Okay. It's just a cat because she's all like, you know... Come on in, I guess, or something like that is what she says. Right. I don't remember. Anyway, you know, clearly everything's fine, and then she opens up her fridge, and it's fucking Pamela Voorhees's head,
1: which is just chilling in there, hanging out.
0: (laughs) And then Jason stabs her in the head with an ice pick. Yep, real gently, like. Just one, Grave. one, one little motion, just dead.
1: Yep, right into the temple.
0: <sighs> so, um, like that, our heroine from the first film is dead and gone. Um, I think this moment works. As opposed to, like, you know, I, I was trying to think of, like, why this works and why something like Halloween Resurrection doesn't. And I think it's... Entirely because everything makes sense. Like, it makes sense that if Jason was real, he would come back to kill her. Right. And that progresses the film to the next part. Everything about Halloween Resurrection and, and fucking Lori dying at the beginning is just nonsense. Like, right. she's in a mental institution for the rest of her life now. Because Michael pulled an epic punked prank on her, <laughs> and and it, it you know it doesn't really undermine the last film having her die here. Because fuck, I think the first film would have been better if she died in the first film anyway. Right? Like it's just it does feel like unnecessary to not have Jason Killer in the first movie and then have Jason Killer in the second movie. But I yeah. kind of view it as righting the wrong of that first ending a little bit, which I'm okay with. Now, as for why Jason uh, all of the sudden got big, I don't know. (laughs) They do keep it mysterious whether it's Jason or not in this opening scene, but it clearly has to be because it couldn't be anybody else. And obviously, eventually, it gets revealed to us when he starts killing other teenagers around the camp, around the lake, I should say. It's Jason. But they do do the thing from the first movie where they don't reveal it right away. So you maybe think it could be somebody else, which is fine, but yeah, it's just, it's not really explained well why, you know, did she just imagine that Jason Boat thing happening? I guess. Maybe? Whatever. I I don't know. There's, I think they suggest that there's been like three years since. Yes. The first one. Mm -hmm. So like maybe Jason hit a gross spurt. I don't know.
1: <laughs> hell of a <laughs> how, o-
0: how old is Jason really?
1: <laughs> um age doesn't matter he- to him.
0: No, he's dead, so Yeah. Or is he? In this movie the jury's still out. In this movie he could have just been someone who didn't die and just kind of lived in the woods. Right. With nobody teaching him how to do anything, so he's just like fucking like you know crazed killer because he was not raised by anyone. So he's just like feral. But obviously in the sequels they make him immortal as fuck. So, (laughs) But here I think it's a little presented a little more realistically. At least for now.
1: Yep. Then hilariously we get... (laughs) The Friday the Thirteenth logo coming right up on oh the Oh my god, that's right! It explodes right. <laughs> into part two.
0: That was incredible. So I did not funny. expect that. I busted out I laughed laughing my ass off. Yeah, yeah I, I... <laughs> why an explosion? <laughs> I
1: don't know, dude. It's funny as fuck.
0: It was super funny.
1: Now we got some assholes driving down New the street. Assholes. Yep, in a
0: big black truck. Mm-hmm. So let me think of who's here. Um well it's the couple who gets killed in the cabin later, right? Right. They're here So this is this is Marta Cober as Vicky and Bill Randolph as Jeff, Vicky's boyfriend, and dumb simp. Uh <laughs> so, <laughs> Simp. And and they're also with uh one of my favorite characters in this movie. Stu Charno as Ted. Now, Ted is kind of like Ned, too. He's even has a similar name. He's like a prankster again. But I want to point out something significant. Ted is the rare Friday the 13th character that um gets to live. Yeah. Uh, he is absent from the end of this film where everybody gets fucking killed uh, because he just wants to stay out and drink. Which is hilarious. (laughs) Drinking saved lives that night. So anyway, uh, they're they're in the town from the first one, basically. Yeah, they're that the vibe I got.
1: Yeah, they're the town that was like on the way to Camp Crystal Lake from the first one. Yeah, and they pull up. You can see
0: fucking crazy Ralph watching them from the distance. By the way.
1: Yep. So you see, mm-hmm. uh, you see, they they pull their truck up near the gas station to get out and use a payphone to go mm-hmm. go pay pay phone up big old Ted. Ted starts giving a bunch of fake directions. Well, uh, well, somebody pulls up the tow truck and starts towing their car away, and you can see it like really yeah. well positioned in the shot. Go like kind of start to get towed in the background, and then crazy after Rout the crazy comes guy,
0: up. yeah, he interrupts them, yeah, yep. You're and, old, too. And
1: all the while, this, this tow truck is just backed up into, their, into the dude's truck, just trying to tow it away. Yeah. And then finally they see it and chase after the... Like, oh, Ted gotta hang up by, hangs it up, runs after the uh, tow truck, and the dude just pulls the right out of quarter. corner. It's Ted fucking with him.
0: Yeah. Uh, this is a good prank. This is a fine prank. It's, oh, it's it doesn't really hurt anybody. I'm saying this guy is, you know... Ned too is better than Ned for sure. Absolutely. Because his pranks aren't like, I'm gonna pretend to fucking die or I'm gonna put on an Indian headdress and be racist. Uh, <laughs> there's only like two pranks from him and both of them are pretty innocent and fine. Yeah. it's just a better guy overall, I would say.
1: Absolutely.
0: Well, <laughs> I think the character's overall in this movie are better developed and better fleshed out, although we don't spend a lot of time with them. (laughs) Because because it's this kind of movie. But that's alright.
1: Kind of expect that going in. So. Yes. We got our main group pulling on up. Mm Mm-hmm. To the campsite. We got So then we get an introduction to a bunch of other characters. kind of all at once a very rapid fire.
0: Yeah, so... I guess the ones that are necessary to talk about. We got John Fury as Paul. He's the head counselor. I think it's suggested that he's supposed to be older than all of them. But I think he's also still a teenager, although he doesn't look like it. The actor. Um, I'm not sure. And, uh... He has a girlfriend who is going to be our main character here, basically. This is Amy Steele as Ginny, our new final girl. She pulls up in a car that is uh, broken down, baby. breaking down. And he kind of, like, grills her for being late, even though her she's clearly having car trouble. And she says she called, but the phones aren't working. So he's kind of being a fucking asshole, <laughs> uh, which is pretty consistent throughout the movie. He's kind of an asshole, this Paul guy. Ginny uh, seems alright, I guess. I, I don't think she's as good as Alice from the first movie as far as the final girl goes. Mm-hmm. With like one notable exception late in the movie, I liked that she had an idea to do something. They dropped the little nugget of information on you that she is a child psychologist, which I like when movies dump a little insignificant portion of information that seems just like a throwaway line. But it pays off really well later. I like when that happens. That's called writing a movie. Uh, I like when that, (laughs) (laughs) like when they write the movie. Yeah. She was supposed to be in part three because, spoiler, she lived. But uh, she declined to return. She didn't want to get typecast as the you know scream queen, final girl character throughout her career. So they rewrote all of part three and we'll see how that gets handled next week. Okay. So who else is here? I guess everyone else is here that we can just mention. Yeah. Everybody's as still, far like, as
1: at this point everybody's like, well convene while they're doing like their opening like
0: speech. Yeah. So we got uh we got this dude in a wheelchair. This is Tom McBride as Mark. Um he is kind of a chill character. I liked him okay. And uh, we got the girl who's kind of like fucking thirsting over him. <laughs> who's uh, This is uh, Lauren Marie Taylor as Vicky. Horny for wheelchair man. Uh, uh, by the way, Tom McBride uh, as Mark. Uh, he was openly gay. And unfortunately, he passed away in 1995 due to complications with AIDS. So that kind of really fucking sucks. But... I do think it's funny that they bring up that like this whole like relationship thing where like this girl is hitting on him super hard and super blatantly. And he seems to kind of just be acting as himself because he's just like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Whatever. Like, he seems super disinterested in girls, <laughs> which is funny. Uh, Cause I guess he was. <laughs> uh Speaking of, uh, Uh, That doesn't really make sense. Anyway. We also got... Kristen Baker as Terry. This is uh, our resident thought for the evening. Um, (laughs) You know, the one who... We get a shot of her ass uh, blatantly, and it's because this other character, Russell Todd as Scott, uh, nails her in the ass with a slingshot for some reason. Uh, this is a scary dude. I don't like this man. He sucks. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a piece of shit. And he's, like,
1: really
0: creepy. I don't know, like... he's super creepy. He's creepier than fucking Jason who's killing everybody. <laughs> I don't trust this man. I, don't trust I hate that he just like hits her in the ass with a rock and then just stares at her like yeah. like <laughs> Fuck off you weird man. I'm glad he gets killed. I'm just gonna say that right now. Okay with it.
1: <laughs> okay. So.
0: So where are we at?
1: Now we got all the kids gathered around the campfire after our introductions. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then our counselor man decides to tell the story of Jason. Yeah, which just gives us the back, the the you know the back lore here. Oh, Jason's a little kid who drowned in, in the lake because guards the the, the uh, kids weren't looking; they were too busy fucking.
0: Yes, and... It's telling us the story in case we didn't see the first one, but it's also helping to put forth the notion that not a lot of people puts you know a lot of faith into the story that Jason is still out there. It's a myth. It's a legend. It's not really a real thing. It is a real thing, but, you know the world yeah. doesn't think right.
1: so. As far as these dudes though. So yeah. They set up for a big for a big punchline here and then let me get mm-hmm. uh God, forget his name. Ted, Ted. comes That's
0: out the, with the mask on. He he he's like ah, and
1: he's like I'm Jason! Yep, all the kids freak yeah. out and then The counselor's
0: like, yeah, you're good. Don't worry about it. He's like, hey, we got it out of our system now, so I don't want to hear about Jason ever again. (laughs) Good setup for Jason to be the focal point of the day two. Hanging out, doing some swimming, Mm -hmm. everybody chilling. Mm -hmm. We get uh, our resident dumb shit couple. (laughs) Just, you know, every. Every archetype is filled in this movie. The thought, the creepy man, the prankster, the actual resourceful one, the wild card, the dumb shits. They're all here. (laughs) Um, So Vicky and Jeff decide to go to Camp Blood. Mainly Vicky decides to go to Camp Blood because Vicky seems a little too obsessed with going to this location that murder happened in. And it's a little creepy. I yeah. don't know why she wants to go there.
1: Yeah. Just a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. A little just a little bit, bit creepy. Little bit. Anyway, her her boyfriend being the simp that he is is just like, alright, well, I guess we'll go. <laughs> and then they go. Um meanwhile uh hot girl's dog is missing muffin uh <laughs> and she's like looking for it and then when our when our two idiot couples uh, gets to camp blood they find the dead dog leading us the audience to believe it is muffin right
1: right think
0: and then a cop shows up and he's like what are you doing and then we cut to like him talking to the counselor, the head counselor, Paul guy. Yeah, and uh, he he's kind of like dismissive of the cop, and it's kind of like the cop kind of like wants him to like reprimand.
1: Yeah, and he just like these doesn't two give, doesn't doesn't seem to give as much of a fuck as the cop wants him to.
0: And I kind of agree with the cop here a bit because he said, "Don't go there." Yep, And they disobeyed and went there. And I would have to question why they would want to go there.
1: Because they're idiots. Being
0: head of this place. And I would probably reprimand them a little more. I'm just saying. <laughs> than, like, the nothing that happened.
1: Yeah, exactly. I agree.
0: Anyway, our cop leaves. And I think while he's driving... Back, he sees Jason step into the woods Yep. we the audience don't some... see that it's Jason
1: right you see a figure step into the woods the cop like goes like oh shit another trespasser just like follows him mhm all the way into uh, Jason's little shack
0: Jason's shack of horrors yeah and uh
1: so we get the to cop see sees
0: something in there but we don't see it yep and uh then boom, axe to head, dead cop.
1: And of course, this is the infamous shrine of Mrs. Warhees.
0: Yeah, but I don't think we see it yet. Not yet. Yeah. Not until later. But yes. <sighs> so now what? I think everybody's chilling and it's night and they're eating.
1: Yeah, so they're, they're they're getting set up for dinner now, and then you got your main counselor man gets everybody's like, "Hey, uh, we're going out, we're going out hitting the town tonight, except you two wanderers. Y'all are hecking staying here, you fuckers." <sighs> yeah, Think about the collective
0: side. <laughs> That's like as far as a punishment as they get. Well, from him <laughs> and. uh... Then a couple other people choose to stay just because they want to. Yeah, we got... uh... Um, Hot girl chooses to stay, and as a result, creepy guy chooses to stay. Uh, Wheelchair guy chooses to stay, and as a result, the girl thirsting after him chooses to stay. Our victims for the evening are set up, Right is basically what's happening. Yeah. The rest of the crew decides to go to a bar and watch some... Yeehaw, country-western music (laughs) and, uh, drink some beers. Um, it is now when I question the age of all of our characters, who I assumed were teenagers, however they are getting drunk at a bar. Maybe they don't card, I don't know, but (laughs) If
1: I remember correctly, the drinking age of the 80s was, uh... Was it lower? It was, uh, 20... I'm in front of a computer. Let me look this up real quick. I'm actually curious.
0: Unless it was 18, I don't really know how all of these teenagers are drinking.
1: (sighs) Hmm. Okay, yeah, the drinking age was
0: 18. (laughs) All oh the way well, there you until go. That makes sense.
1: So they were eighteen. They're eighteen year olds in this movie.
0: Okay. Yeah, I assumed it got changed in the eighties. I guess I was right, but like,
1: yeah, two years. That, well, two I didn't years realize that in 80,
0: 81. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this scene gets dated. <laughs> right.
1: That's why you were confused because they they yes. are technically teenagers. They're eighteen.
0: Interesting. Okay. Thanks for history lesson, Friday the 13th Part 2. Lol. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, everybody goes out for the drinky drink. Mm-hmm. Hawk Girl goes, hey, I'm going to go out for a walk. And the others are like, okay, we'll be inside. Go for your
0: walk. And she does uh, a thing that doesn't make sense, which is, um, look, it's probably cold to go swimming at, like, you know, 11 p.m., in Connecticut, it's supposed to be Jersey, I guess. I, I'm just saying. Maybe not the best time to skinny dip, necessarily.
1: <laughs> yeah. You go skinny but but dip? whatever
0: this is our she does, scene. this is our titty scene for the evening. <laughs> yep. As, as will be blatantly shoved into probably each one of these movies. Pretty much. Every single one will have... One of these scenes will have a titty. This one was supposed to have multiple. Uh, you can tell, but uh, well, so the scene with uh, you know, your dumb couple fucking in the bed was supposed to have full frontal nudity nudity from uh, actress Marta Cobert. Yeah. However, that had to be removed because that actress was fucking underage. Oh. Ah, Yikes! Ooh, that's an oof. Ah, it didn't get removed until Paramount found out that she was underage. By the way, so I really have to question who knew and still filmed this scene. Right. That is. There, there's a Cringe. like. There's a chance that the actress lied about her age.
1: Yeah, I can see that happening.
0: They, they and then probably they filmed like, the scene.
1: They are probably like y'all eighteen, and they're just like, yeah.
0: Yeah, and then they didn't check into it further than that. (laughs) You know, I hope that was the case and not, you know, they were just like, ah, nobody will notice. She's 18 in a couple months. It's fine. Ugh. (laughs) Hate, hate Hollywood, man. Ugh. (laughs) God. At least it's not still in the fucking movie. That'd be weird.
1: Yep. At least they took that shit out because that would be very weird.
0: But anyway, back to the legal age naked scene. Uh, <laughs> she's just skinny-dipping for some reason. And Dude, who is creeped Man, steals her clothes. Yep. So she comes out to get dressed and can't. And, uh... So... <laughs> I'm kind of confused on, like... Why... So the dude, like, she's chasing him, and then he steps into, like, a fucking Ewok trap and it, and it is, like, strung up from, like, his his legs and it hanging upside down. And he's like, ah, Paul and his fucking survival traps. And I'm like, I, what did Paul expect them to run into that he set these kind of traps... What, like, like he's, he constantly talks about being worried about bears early on in the film. Yeah. But I don't know if this would really work to catch a bear, and why would you want to anyway? Right. You're just going to piss the bear off and abuse it. So, so like, who is this for? <laughs> Dude, I... For him, apparently. I, I guess it's for dumb teenagers running around at night when they're not supposed to, I guess. So, he's strung up, and he's like, hey, help me. Here's your clothes back. And she's like, I should just let you fucking hang there. And she should. It'd be funny. But
1: Absolutely. she
0: goes to get a knife to cut him down. But he's going to die upside down, because here comes your boy Jason to slit the dude's throat. And honestly, thank God, glad Creepy Man's out of the- been waiting the whole movie for Creepy Man to be out of the movie.
1: <laughs> yep. He did. He uh. He gets a nice little little gifty gift get from the Jason. Little <laughs> little sliss.
0: Yeah. Sure. Little Nacky. Which of course just leads us to our next kill because she comes to free him, and then it's like.
1: Ah! <laughs> and she turns the body it's around. Jason. And he he dead. Mm-hmm. And she does the the scream that all the other kids in the cabin fucking don't hear.
0: True. <laughs> Good point.
1: Yeah, we, we got to cut to the bar scene.
0: Yes, uh, I believe they're talking about like Ginny brings it up because they're talking about the Jason shit, and she's just kind of casually wondering if he is still out there, what would he be like now? And this is just kind of like our clue... obvious clue to the audience as to the identity of our mysterious killer. It's basically just saying outright, it, Jason. (laughs) Anyway, they're gearing up to go back. Except for Ted.
1: Yep, Ted's Ted's like, like, fuck it. He's like, fuck y'all pussies, I'm staying.
0: I'm getting drinky drunk. Honestly... Honestly, bless this man. It is the decision that saves his life. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It's kind of incredible that they let someone go in one of these movies. I I was kind of like wondering if they just forgot about him when writing the movie or if like there was a rumor that the actor left production before they were done. But no, apparently the plan was always to let him uh, get away because he made the unknowingly smart decision not to go back to camp which is kind of great I like the randomness of it (laughs) there's kind of a similar kind of scene in Steve Miner's other movie that we've watched the, the Halloween H20 where if you remember your boy Mikey Myers stops by a rest stop to steal a car and does not kill a woman and her kid Who are at the rest stop, he just steals their car, right? Yeah. It's weird. I like these like weird random little moments of like I was almost murdered by a serial killer, but wasn't. Cool story for them to tell later.
1: (laughs) So back at the camp. Back back at the camp, our kids are getting ready to fuck. Um
0: Yeah. I, I don't remember the order of these kills happening, but I mean Jason kills Hot Girl, obviously, right?
1: Yeah, Hot Girl gets ki- hot, hot Girl, creepy guy get killed first, right? And then uh... yeah,
0: then the wheelchair dude. Yeah, then in a pretty dude grisly, love, love awful scene, awful end for that man. Yeah. Feel bad because he, uh, he he was like you know kind of sad. He was like, yeah, like I was in a motorcycle accident. The doctors say I'll never walk again, but I don't believe him. I'm gonna try. And it's like oh, that's 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 great. And then he just fucking dies. <laughs> that's just rape. Oh man. And rolls down a hill at high speed as well.
1: Yeah, it sucks. And, yeah. then, and then the uh the yuckin' kids get killed. Jason walks into the walks into the cabin while they while the cabin yuck has been commenced and finished.
0: <laughs> yeah. But they're still like on top of each other and kissing and stuff, and then it's just like, you know,
1: yeah, Jason walks boom. in and walks in, he gets like oh a little sticky stick, grabs that little sticky stick.
0: It's the spear that Ted was holding earlier. Mm-hmm. Mask. The yep. fake Jason get up. Yeah. He
1: throws the mask away, just grabs the spear.
0: He already got a mask. He got that sack on him.
1: Yeah, he got he got that. He got burlapped. <laughs> yeah. So he grabs the uh Grabs a spear, walks upstairs, real slowly so they can't hear him while they're, while they're exhausted from their big camp and yuck. <laughs> and does uh, a little stabby uh, stab through the bed. Fucker comes, he mm-hmm. jams that shit so hard through two people that that fucking spear comes out underneath the bed.
0: It's honestly pretty impressive. The man's strong. Nobody said he wasn't. Right. I guess this is a good time to talk about Steve Daskiewicz, who plays Jason in this movie. Yeah, sure. sure. Um, this is our second actor to assume this role. Now, Steve was a stunt double and was only listed as a stunt double for this movie, but he plays Jason in all of the scenes that he's in, except for the unmasked scene, where Jason is instead played by Warrington Gillette. But anyway... Um, I think he does an alright job, considering you can't see his face or anything. Like, his movements are suitably creepy. I think it works okay. I kind of low-key dig our new look here. Well, I say new look, but it's the original look for Jason. But everybody is so, like... Everybody knows the hockey match. And this is what they did before that. Hockey yeah. mask comes into play next film. Right, I like this look. I think it's creepy. I like, I like the it. one eye hole.
1: Yeah, I like it a lot too. I, I actually, I when I play Friday the Thirteenth, I play as this Jason a lot.
0: The part two Jason, yeah. cool, cool.
1: So I like this. Um,
0: it's cool. Yeah, the one eye hole is interesting. I like that a lot. It's a good detail because he does only have one. Or- right, <laughs> he only needs one eye hole. <laughs> it's it's a uh it's a cool get up it's kinda like you know kinda like what Nolan did with the Scarecrow later on with the just the sack on a head. it works because you can't see it, and this exact costume would be later aped in uh Resident Evil Four for all your chainsaw guys, and it's 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 an enduringly creepy look that has been remixed. And reused constantly.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's neat. And, like, in one stack, because the, uh, it's just because, like, the hockey mask thing in part three took off so hard.
0: Yeah, for whatever reason. I don't really even know why, but, yeah. People
1: just really took to it. They they, they appreciated that as, like, a really
0: creepy design. I think 3 ends up being the most successful of these at that point in time. Yeah. So maybe it's just the enduring legacy of 3 is, like, possibly the most popular one. Well, what's funny about it is when a lot of
1: people remember Friday the 13th, they usually think of the third one. Yeah. Instead of the first
0: one. Which is interesting. And I've never heard anything about 2, to be honest. And uh, I'm kind of okay with the result. It was better than I thought it was going to be. I like this movie. (laughs) So, anyway, uh, speaking of this fucking mask, uh, Daskowitz did not have a good time filming. Uh, (laughs) As as these guys usually do not. (laughs) Yeah, I I do think back to Gunnar Hansen, his leather face, fucking sweating his ass off. Right. Uh, But, yeah. um, Similar vibes he has this burlack sack mask and with one eye hole and it is rubbing the fuck out of his eye during filming to the point where he gets like fucking rug burn around his entire eye. Ooh. And that sounds unpleasant.
1: That sounds terrible. Not only
0: that, but uh, during a scuffle with uh, Amy Steele later, uh, Daskowitz gets his hand cut with a machete for real though. And has to be rushed to the hospital to receive stitches uh, only to go back to filming like the next day with a rubber uh, finger on his finger to hide the stitches. Uh, You know, probably stuff he's sort of used to as a stuntman, unfortunately, but, uh, (laughs) you know, never easy filming a movie with a lot of physical bullshit in it. Right. Yep, so anyway, our last couple kills here happen. Uh, he kills uh, the other girl as well. Yep. Uh, or she never comes back, and then he kills the wheelchair guy. I forget the order of the kills. She, she uh, the wheelchair she kills the wheelchair the important guy. Thing is everybody's dead.
1: Yeah. Then she comes back and walks upstairs to where the huck happened. And yes. She gets, and then she, she sees the, and then he, he just is in the bed. Jason just do a little, do a little snoozy. Uh huh. He try and get some shut eye. That shoving a spear through two bodies is fucking exhausting, bro. And he <laughs> needed to take a little nappy nap. Sure, why not? And then she strolls in, wakes the dude up. What did you think was gonna happen? Oh, okay. that's
0: right. <laughs> He's under the bed, the blanket. Because yeah. this is the reveal of him for the first time. Right. He's just been under first the blanket. Person. Everything's been
1: first person shots till now. And then yeah, yeah. And then he Ma- springs up out of the bed. <laughs>
0: he did it to spooker and it works. And then he kills her. Yep. Um, so now everybody's dead and our two other, you know, our main characters, I suppose, Ginny and Paul come back and they're like, something's wrong here. And she goes upstairs and sees all the blood, but the bodies are gone. No bodies around anywhere, but all the blood's still there. And, uh, Paul is stupid about this because he's kind of just approaching this like it is a prank, bro. And is like, ah, nothing's wrong. Whereas Ginny is understandably pretty upset at the two people's amount of blood upstairs. (laughs) And uh, she's like, someone's in this room. And sure enough oh, it's Jason. And he uh, has a scuffle with Paul. Yep, beats the shit out of him. And I think kills Paul, but then doesn't.
1: Yeah, just, yeah, they <laughs> it's just kind
0: like, of confusing. Then he
1: <laughs> just like beats the shit out of him.
0: He subdues Paul, I he, guess. He comes back, him out.
1: He comes back. He's roughed up.
0: Yeah, but like it, it. The movie wants you to think he's dead, and then he begins chasing Ginny, who is now our final girl. Um, and he chases her all over the place. To the point where, like, he chases her for a ridiculously long time. <laughs> like, they show the passage of time, and it's kind of crazy how long she had to have been running for. Uh She, like, tries to get in the car. Doesn't work. Yep. Can't go. She, like, there's a good moment where, like, he pops up. As she's in the car, and then he goes away, and she's like, where'd he go? And then the pitchfork comes through the top of the fucking uh, overhead of the car. It's good shit. She's oh, yeah. running from him for a while.
1: Yeah, this, it's a lot, and... of, like, a lot of just chase scenes. She
0: kicks him in the dick once. Which Yeah, that was funny as shit. <laughs> I did not expect that. For a dead man, dick kick still got that impact, bro. Yeah, this is why I'm saying. I don't think they really thought Jason was actually dead yet when they were writing this. No, not at all. Yeah. Because he reacts more like a human. Yeah. Like, he can be hurt.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
0: I think she runs all the way to his cabin and tries to hide in there. Not Probably not knowing it's his base of operations. And she finds... uh, Jason's... uh, You know, body collection. (laughs) It's like Jason's pop vinyl room, you know? And (laughs) it's like... (laughs) Jason's hobby room where he keeps all his shit. uh, Which he has the bodies of all the four people. And his mom's sweater. And head? Uh, Rotten head. Now... This makes me have a question about the opening of this movie where the head was in Alice's fridge. Right. Did Jason, like, I don't know where Alice is staying at the beginning of that movie, but I assume it's far away from Camp Crystal Lake because that would be what I would do. Right. If I almost got killed. So, Jay, what did Jason do? Did he just walk
1: no, he went on a big road all trip the way there? Mom's head. He can drive a car.
0: With his mom's head? He can drive a car? Yeah. I don't think he can uh, drive get a car. Her. This
1: is a thing. He can drive a car. Trusting, okay? Jason
0: took the bus dude. <laughs> Jason bought a ticket <laughs> like, yeah. To get on the bus He hops on the fucking
1: it. Greyhound Pops yeah. in, hands the dude his ticket Smells like shit
0: He got the ticket In his right hand and his mom's head In his left hand And he just walks on the bus Holding it in <laughs> Or under his hand, like a ba- like a basketball.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> he just he hands the dude the ticket, and the bus driver just is like, i ain't asking no questions, and just takes him to his destination. Like, <laughs> he kills Alice, has to buy another bus ticket, gets on the bus, heads back fun, to his fun little, uh Fun little bus driver <laughs> one-liner.
1: Man, I've seen worse shit in this job. Lets him on the bus.
0: He oh, man.
1: Takes, takes a big... Takes a big road trip with dead mom.
0: (laughs) That's our episode title. (laughs) Jason takes a road trip with his dead mom's head. Yep. (laughs) Jason rides a Greyhound bus with his mom's severed head in tow. (laughs) Or whatever. You know, something along... I'm sure you'll figure it out. But, like, yeah. It's, uh... It just makes me wonder the logistics of this even happening. It kind of reminds me of, like, how, like in Halloween two, the bad one, uh Robert Zombert Michael Myers just kinda like walks for like a year.
1: <laughs> he, he doesn't stop.
0: <laughs> He's just walking. He's just you know, the Mike Myers looking like a hobo ass. Mike Myers just walks and walks and walks and walks through fields and you know doesn't really get recognized by anybody.
1: Dude, it's Michael Quest.
0: Michael Quest. So this is like Jason's quest.
1: The Jason Quest.
0: Yeah. All right. Da,
1: da, da, I'm okay da, with that.
0: Oh, I gotcha. <laughs> I didn't realize what you were referencing at first. So it's, it's so like it's Brody Jason quest. getting up in the morning, his one eye open.
1: Yeah, and when I <laughs> <if> <laughs> listen, the alarm
0: goes off. And he's like walking back and forth, but he's holding his dead mom's head. Yeah. He buys the bus ticket, gets on the bus, goes to Alice's house in like I assume five states away. Yep. Just about. And, uh, and then drives back. You know, it's it's all good. It's a little fun. I wanna see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody make that movie. Fill in this part of the canon for me, please. Jason's road trip (laughs) to kill Alice. (laughs)
1: Fucking amazing.
0: Just bringing along his mom's head to dunk on Alice. That's the only reason he does it, is just to fucking make her go, oh, shit, before he kills her. So she only goes, oh, shit, for 10 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Just only did it to pull an epic prank. What a... That Jason, what a guy. Wow. <laughs> anyway.
1: So this elongated chase scene uh, gets gets to a part that I find fun, where she uh she does knock Jason down for a bit. Yeah. Hits him with a chair. A chainsaw. Uh-huh. His hand like cuts his. Yes. With chainsaw,
0: and then hits I'm glad the, on the chainsaw got to come back chair. later in the movie. I was yeah, wondering it's if it's going to come a, to play. There's a few good callbacks yeah. here. Yes.
1: No, like a lot. Um, But the
0: best one is when the child psychology pays off, because when she finds the Jason shrine to his dead mom, she puts on Pamela's old rusty sweater and pretends that she's Pamela and says, Jason, you stop it now. And
1: almost fools him.
0: Almost fools his ass, because he's like, you know, not all there and kind of is fooled at first. But then sees that his dead mom's head is over there and realizes that she's just trying to pull a fast one. He's like, Hey, I'm the prankster here, bro. You can't <laughs> You can't one up me.
1: Right. Uh, There's a really cool <laughs> I, shot that I love in this movie that uh like right after she yes. knocks Jason out and hit him with the chair. And she goes mm-hmm. and hides in that like it goes and hides in the shed. Yeah. You can see, like while she's like, like trying to catch her breath, like at the side of the window, you can see Jason strolling on up.
0: Yeah, that was a great shot. Loved was super, shot. Very creepy. Yeah.
1: Love that shot.
0: This movie overall is just looks better than that first one for sure.
1: Way better shot, through and through.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, so then after, <laughs> after she pulls the psychology on on the Jason.
0: <laughs> By the way, this is something you can do. In the video game, which yes. is fucking lit if you can pull it off because it's really difficult it's,
1: it's really difficult to do, but yeah, you could stun him down and then just like yeah. fucking maul his ass
0: have the other characters go to town with the bats and guns and stuff, mm-hmm. yeah, and
1: just like yeah, just knock him when you get Jason down like that, he's down for a while,
0: yes now i i'm I kind of wish that Paul didn't show up out of nowhere to save her ass. I wish that she just was able to take out Jason herself in this moment. Yeah. But Paul helps, and then she ends up getting, like, the big blow anyway. So I guess it's fine. But it's just like, I don't know. You don't need to give Paul a hero moment. He's kind of been a dick the whole movie anyway.
1: Right. <laughs> see. So then after that, they, uh... See, after she delivers the killing bro blow... I say killing bro... The blow. killing
0: bro! <laughs> <laughs> bro!
1: After she lands the killing blow, puts up a... Puts a machete into his shoulder.
0: Uh huh.
1: Um, they he carries her back to the cabin. Sets her down. They hear some at the door. They start freaking out. Like, oh god, he's back! They grab weapons. Open up the door. Oh, it's puppy!
0: Oh my god, that's right. The ending of this movie is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: oh, look at the it's puppy! Like...
0: All my complaints about the first movie's ending are solved here because they have the fake out and then they have the actual biggest what the fuck moment of the movie happen just like they would have if they didn't cut to Alice in the hospital bed in the original. They just they fucking learned their lesson and they end it on the high note. And I'm well, super happy about that, Sora. but it's hilarious. It's
1: hilarious, though. Well, you still have the scene afterwards where she gets carried off, it's like she's alive.
0: Yes, yes, but you get the sense that Jason fucked her up. Yeah, because then, then and she also, also guy.
1: Yeah, because she's yes. She where is he? As she's getting loaded into the into the uh, ambulance. Yes, probably. let you assume that he probably risked his life to save her and died.
0: Yeah, for sure. Paul did. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Paul's. Uh,
0: By the way, the reveal that the dog is still alive, despite the red herring of a previous dead dog that isn't this dog, is kind of fucking hilarious. Oh, it's great. And then they only do it so that they can hard cut from everything is fine, the dog is still alive, the noise was just the dog haha, to Jason's fucking loud moaning ass coming out of the window and grabbing her maskless this time. So he looks like a fucking deformed creature uh, is pretty great. Okay. <laughs> what a stupid transition. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm i happy it happened. It was hysterical.
1: Yep. And then when it's done, you get the big zoom right into Mrs. He's <laughs> dead ass head that just got done going on a country road trip.
0: <laughs> yeah oh so let me talk about this real quick so this movie was supposed to have the original ending we would we would go to we still go to this severed head but it would open its eyes and it would smile at the camera that's dumb and uh this was cut <laughs> <laughs> it was cut because steve minor deemed it quote too silly i agree I think it's enough that you have the scene with the dog and then Jason. Uh I think that is a fine ending to your movie. It really is. A fine dumbass horror movie ending that entertained me. <laughs> so that was uh that was part 2. Yeah. Think- so the sequel was, you know, like the original, eviscerated by critics. I got a Roger Ebert quote here. Uh, love these. Uh, so he didn't like it. <laughs> he said, quote, a cross between the mad slasher and dead teenager genres. About two dozen movies a year feature a mad killer going berserk, and they're all about as bad as this one. Some have a little more plot, some have a little less. It doesn't matter. That was his review. <laughs> with the-
1: that's
0: great oh my god was never a fan of the slasher movies roger ebert um i mean and then it's overall yeah
1: i i agree but i also like this movie
0: (laughs) yeah it's not something that is i'm gonna deem high art or anything but man was it entertaining and stupid sometimes you need something stupid (laughs) just some dumb fun uh since overall Rotten Tomatoes' ranking is way lower than the first film, at a 28%. Uh, but, you know, I thought it was better. I think that 28 is pretty harsh, to be honest. But nevertheless, despite the critics, uh, it was a success once again. It grossed $21.7 million against its pretty small $1.2 million budget. And a sequel was put into production immediately for release the following year in 1982. So, all in all, it was pretty successful. was not nearly as successful as the first Friday the 13th. That was kind of like a weird, out-of-nowhere success, but I think that's more than made up for with the third movie that makes even more money down the line here. <sighs> so, uh, what are your overall thoughts, I guess?
1: I like this movie. I think it's fun. It uh, It does so many things better than the first one does. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as like cinematography uh, the way it handles the ending of it Um, the kills are less gruesome which is a bit disappointing but
0: yeah but I think they're more creative overall yeah for sure the way that they happen
1: absolutely I agree with that I I I think
0: it's overall a better movie for sure
1: absolutely absolutely
0: Put it in the number one spot for now. Fuck it. Yep, number one part
1: two, number one, number number two part one. We fucked up. <laughs> yeah. in a second. that's weird.
0: Oh, it'll get confusing later. I'm I'm sure we'll like be able to barely even tell some of them apart after a while. But uh, you know, yeah. it's kind of how I get when I think back to the Halloween films a little bit. I'm like, did that dumb thing happen in six or five?
1: <laughs> well, the, uh, yeah, the well, the good old. Four, five, six, bunch of that—it's just like a shit show.
0: Yeah, it's easy to like break them down into chunks, which I'm assuming this will probably be like that. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing the big division is going to be after part four. Yep. Because that ridiculous. one is that one's dubbed the final Friday, but then you know we're not even halfway through when we're done with that one, so. <laughs>
1: That's when it, That's when the the car drives off the cliff.
0: Yep. When uh Fonzie decide decides to jump the shark, mm-hmm. all that. But yeah. then it springs <laughs>
1: down into absurdist territory, and then it gets fun again. So.
0: Oh yeah, dude. I could. I like the build up we're we're having here. Like this is still like a horror film at the end of the day, but there's still ridiculous, stupid shit in it. And if that just keeps increasing, I'm gonna be laughing my ass off by the time we get to Jason.
1: You think about Jason X is a romp, my guy. <laughs> that movie is a romp. Anyway,
0: next week is uh, what many say is the the best of these part three. From what I remember, um, I think it's the
1: best as well. But like it needs originally
0: originally released in three uh, D. Uh, I will not be watching it in three D. However, I will be on the lookout for things that were only in the movie because. Of the D. <laughs> few those few- moments are hilarious to me
1: there's quite a few
0: uh,
1: alright that's it for us
0: yeah that was fun
1: Yeah. Now remember see you kids, next time remember kids don't get on a bus when there's a dude with the sack on his head holding the dead grandma's severed head
0: yeah don't all don't get Grey on House. a bus with Jason Voorhees. You're you know, right. Greyhouse's I agree. Weird,
1: but they don't have to be that weird. Wait for the next bus.
0: <laughs> uh, it's probably fine as long as you don't talk to him. Just mind your own business when you're on the bus. You know.
1: You just do that anyway. Fuck.
0: Oh well, yeah. Don't talk to Don't talk to the other passengers. They could be Jason Voorhees. Right. You don't know. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> uh, okay, bye. Alrighty, bye.